Welcome back to the Contemporary Controversy Podcast, part two of an episode that we're doing on singleness, and I haven't come up with a catchy title yet, but I will. Um, but uh, we want to pick up kind of where we left off, and the last thing we were talking about is eternity, which Julia and I, Julia and I had differing perspectives, which as we were talking off the mic, I was like, you know, I haven't really like ironed out this like argument or perspective yet. I'm going on the record. I do not agree that our minds will be wiped off yeah. wiped clean. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm but like I- on the perspective of like the Lord wipes away our memory and all that, but I don't know. I'm open to hear feedback on people's perspective but definitely the idea that we'll be brothers and sisters there is no marriage in heaven that is very clear in scripture right but regardless of where we stand on the other memory thing i'm just excited about like the no pain the no tears and all Mm -hmm. that like because that is one of the most painful things like on this earth is to have to deal with those emotions and all that Mm -hmm. so to think that like the lord will just wipe that stuff away towards like there's no hurt there's no fear Mm -hmm. there's no any of that that's just refreshing and it gives us something to look forward to on the eternity's perspective and i know you wanted to talk on that as well yeah i was just gonna say that this has been part of a massive shift in my mindset about singleness marriage sexuality and having hope is that the marriage feast the wedding feast of the lamb when It's not just me that's going to be the bride of Christ, right? Scripture is very clear. The entire body, like all of my brothers and sisters, we will make up the bride of Christ together. I'm so excited because honestly, as a single, weddings are really hard. Yeah, There are places where you're happy and also heartbroken at the same time. And so I think I feel excited about the fact that in heaven, I will not be sad at that wedding because I will be long. And I believe that one of the reasons that marriages or weddings in particular are so challenging for us as single sometimes is because it always represents a piece that's now lost. And so even though you totally are excited for your friend, most of the time, yeah. depending on who they marry, uh, totally excited for your friend, there's a loss because you know it will never be the same. And they have their person now and you still don't. And so when I first read Sam Albury's book, um, The Seven Myths of Singleness, he talked about the heartbreak. I think you would like him, Chad. He's kind of an emotional sounding guy like you. Okay. He talked about the heartbreak at weddings. And I'm like, whoa, somebody gets it. And so I think as a single, keeping in mind, in heaven, I will be completely apart. I will belong. Like I was at a wedding one time and it was assigned seating. And, you know, those tables always have like, even numbered chairs and it was in college right after college and literally all of my friends who happened to be dating someone at that time were at a table together but because i was single i was sitting next to them with the pastor and his wife the mc and his wife and somebody else i didn't know so pastors always leave weddings or receptions early the mc never sits at the table and it was me listening to the laughter of all of my couple friends the entire time I see assigned seating and I want to run to this day. That was almost, that was like 15 years ago. So I just think that first of all, people don't really know sometimes how painful weddings can be. And yet also how hopeful eternity is for us is like, we will completely and utterly belong. And that that's wonderful and hopeful and gives me, I guess, cause to be quite, to want to be faithful to the Lord on this earth too. 
Yeah, and I I can relate with the whole like marriage because I've been in like probably like eight weddings. It feels like it literally probably eight. I know I had four weddings that I was in, three best man and one that groomsman in 2018, and that was a tough year because I was like, well, one is a lot of money, and I wasn't making a lot of money at the time, so it's like I was having to spend a lot of money, and then I was also having to be like traumatized by other people finding love and me just staying back, going, where is my wife? <laughs> so I think that that aspect, because you want to be happy for them, you really do. But then there's also those aspects of, I know for me, I, I was telling you earlier, I'm a pessimist. So I'll like find things wrong with mm. that marriage or relationship. <laughs> and so it's like, but it's just a flawed human thinking. Cause like when you look at marriage for what it is um, mm. and what it represents, it's meant to be a, um, a, a, um, what's the word for it? It's a metaphor. Yeah, it's it's a metaphor of how like Christ and the church are together. Mm-hmm. It's it's a body of one. And so like whenever you do get married, it's two becoming one flesh. And also one of the benefits like within marriage particularly is like I know for me whenever I get married like I want to do ministry with my partner. Like yes, we'll have our own individual sectors that we may you know um me with men and her with uh women and all that but i want to open my home up to the widows the single moms the single dads or singles just open it up to to all stages of life um but also to do ministry as a couple but the cool thing about doing ministry as a couple is it's two personalities brought into one um together even in uh, my church right now, uh, I talked on the phone one day and I was like asking them questions and his wife started chiming in from the background. She was like, you're telling them terrible advice right now. Let me speak. But it was cool to see like them working together as partners in providing mm-hmm. that as a community. And so with marriage in the church or marriage and eternity and what marriage represents, I think it's important to remember that perspective. And I know that you want to touch on that as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think we do a great job of presenting marriage as a beautiful picture of Christ and the church and how that longing, that intimacy that you feel with your partner is supposed to or hopefully represent the intimacy and longing that Christ has for us, his bride, right? I know that sounds very metaphorical, but I think the deeper you push into it, it's like Jesus really wants to know all of me. And like he is wants to be there for every ugly moment, every painful moment. And I think sometimes when your married friends are like, oh, Jesus, your husband, it's like, well, yeah, you get a husband and Jesus? Like, that's not fair. So I struggle with that. But I think what the church could do a better job at and i want to be a part of the solution not complaining about it but like be like hey this is how you could really uphold the dignity of singleness is by saying just in the way that marriage represents a beautiful aspect of our relationship with jesus the intimacy the connection the longing singleness also represents something beautiful about our 
walk with God. And I think that is because I was like, God, why did you make me sexual if first of all, I'm same sex attracted, so I can never act on that. And like, you didn't bring me a husband, so I can't act on that. Like, what's the purpose of my sexuality? And I know, like, yeah. you probably want to speak into this in a minute. But as I wrestled with that, of like, did God make a mistake by making me sexual and let, yet leaving me alone in that? And I think it really points to um, the fact that I am saying to the world, a world that says without sex, you're not whole, right? That I can shine that light of Jesus and be like, you know what, there's something better than sexual fulfillment in this in this life. And that is saying, Jesus is worth it. Like he's more fulfilling than this. Yes, it's a part of me, a strong part sometimes, you know, yeah. but that that relationship, that connection, that faithfulness, and that speaks to the world. And then I think, what are we longing for? We're longing for the, the wedding feast of the lamb. And like, Chad, what are you longing for? You're longing for a wife, right? Yeah. And sometimes I'm longing for a husband, not every time, but I do long for companionship. And so I think our life can be that metaphor of we are longing for a better place. We are yeah. longing for that fulfillment of relationship. And so that's something beautiful that singleness reflects. Well, yeah, not only that, because you talked about like the sexual desire and whatnot, because it is frustrating. It's like, why is this even here if I can't act on it as an unmarried man? So it's like, mm -hmm. if you're married, you can act on it. But even in the marriage perspective, like obviously we both have married friends. We both know that, yeah, their time in the bedroom and all that, like it's special, it's intimate and all that, but it's second. It's, it doesn't last forever. It's a, mm. it's a moment in time. It's a euphoria for a second. So, and I think couples can even testify this to say like, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's beautiful, but it doesn't fulfill them either. Ultimately, like when it's right. all said and done, mm. it does bring them closer together as a couple. Mm. Like that's God's design behind it is to bring that intimacy together on a physical aspect. But like their walk with the Lord is ultimately what draws them together as a couple and them together as one with Christ. Um, and also too, whenever we talk about singleness too, like it's easy to talk about like folks like us who have never been married, but also remember like we have w widows in the church. We have people who are divorced in the mm -hmm. church. We have people who are single moms, single dads, like so many different stages or even people, you know, uh, Maybe you lost a spouse early, you know, uh, mm. you know, whenever I say widows, I automatically think of the older uh, people. But there's also people who have lost um, a husband or wife at like just quickly in their marriage for some weird reason. And so there's so many aspects in this. And but I know that we want to talk about this for sure. The sexual discipleship and the authentic intimacy and kind of how a lot of that plays into that ministry in itself talks about sexual um, sexuality, but it also mm -hmm. talks about singleness, even the singleness cohort. So I think you'd be the great person to kind of touch on this and unpack a lot of this. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that uh, Dr. Julie Slattery, who is the host of Java with Julie, she said something about well, I heard her say it two years ago, and it stopped me in my tracks. And she, and she said, what you believe about sex believes with, sorry, let me say it again. What you believe about sex begins with what you believe about God. And I was like, say what? You know, I always thought like my sexuality, I had to figure that over here and clean it up before I could take it to God. And like, did he really want to know about that? And so that statement kind of 
changed the trajectory of my life as I started to say like, okay, Lord, how do I bring my sexual brokenness, my sexuality, all of my confusion to your feet and let you untangle it? And so what that turned into was an online community that has just spoken such hope and life into me. And yet, even as we started unpacking this with sexual discipleship, which we'll put a link, I think, in yeah. the notes about it, um, which is essentially for leaders in the church to understand how to lead the congregation well in what is God's purpose for sexuality? How do we how do we reclaim his design? Uh, clearly, the church has been silent for many on it, or we've taken varying approaches that don't seem to have been that effective. And so this is really a place for leaders to learn and grow. And so we do a book club with it. And we talked about, it's a great book, um, Christopher West's Our Bodies Tell God's Story. And he really emphasized this metaphor that Chad and I unpacked a little bit about marriage. And in that book club, I said, guys, I'm just aching as a single. Like, where is my place? What do I represent about the gospel as a single? Like, is it incomplete? And so that just started a conversation that led us to our sexual discipleship cohort, which we titled Upholding the Dignity of Unmarrieds in the Body of Christ. And I think it's really important, the wording that was chosen, because I think a lot of times we don't feel that we have worth, value, or dignity as singles in the body of Christ. And so what that turned into was 25 screens uh, or 25 rectangles on the screen of marrieds and singles saying, we want to have a biblical understanding of singleness. We want to hear from singles. What is your actual experience in the church? Not what do we think it should be or, but we want to listen. And so we did Sam Albury's book, Seven Myths of Singleness. And I have to tell you, Chad, it was, I was one of the facilitators, but that experience ministered so deeply to my heart as people who were married or unmarried said, hey, we care about your experience in the church. Tell us what we might have been well-intended about, but that actually caused pain. Yeah. And then I heard other singles say, hey, I am not, I don't feel safe anymore to talk about my pain because when I bring it up, people are like, well, have you tried online dating? Well, yeah. <laughs> that's funny now with they us, this conversation. Yeah. But yeah, they always have a solution instead of holding space for that pain. And so, we are really hoping and now chad i invited him we're doing the second one right now and i invited him to join and i'd love to hear kind of maybe a little bit about what that experience has looked like for you um if you want to talk about that yeah i think that um yeah it's like you said you feel very misplaced or people just it almost feels like people don't know what to do with you and they don't allow you to express kind of your emotions during that that moment in your life so it's like if you're longing to be um, married or find that uh, spouse or whatever, some people can kind of minimize that pain and that struggle that you face right then and there. But in reality, like there's at the end of the day, like we're all longing for deeper connection. Um, and so like, but I think we have to remember like our ultimate like longing is found in Christ. But also I told you this just a few weeks ago, like of how the Lord can use companionship to like draw you near to him. Like, cause we're all created in the image of God. And so with that being said, like there's no part of you that can fulfill me like in friendship or relationship or marriage at all. Like none of that, you will never fulfill that desire that Christ has fully for me. 
but there can be aspects about you that can encourage me and the Lord uses that to to minister to me. Okay, well I was just yeah. thinking I know we're probably coming to a close for this half pretty soon. I think that would be important to kind of talk about what could be helpful. I think a lot of times it's we complain and like this isn't helpful, but yeah. without like bringing and maybe you want to say your thought if it comes to you before then, but I just I don't know the one verse that's kind of haunted me with this is that verse after God created Adam and Eve and he says it is not good for man to be alone. And I thought, gee, thanks God. You said it's not good and yet you left me alone. And I think where we've gone wrong with this and it connects with the family of God idea is that we apply that verse only to marriage and marriage relationships. And it's so true. Like what you're saying is like, we can't fulfill one another, but it's also not good for us to be alone. Yeah. And if I'm not married, then I sure, sure need, well, even if you are married, you need the family of God. Yeah. And you need people in your life saying, hey, how are you doing? Like, um, are you struggling? Like, how can I be there for you? And I was reading a great book the other day, um, Single Gay Christian. And he said, when people hear about his struggle, they automatically think that his number one uh, struggle is lust. And he said, you know what the number one struggle usually is of a same-sex attracted Christian in the church? It's despair because you feel like I'm always gonna be alone. And I would say that could be very accurate for a lot of singles who feel isolated is yeah. like, my greatest need is not for you necessarily to care if I'm sexually faithful, although I do want to live with sexual integrity and I need help with that. But like that isolation and loneliness is often what leads us to act out. And so just being a part of the family of God and having intimacy in, in a variety of ways, I think is so powerful. But did you have your thought? Because then we can maybe talk about no, some. No, I it's did gone not for good. have my thought. Well, I was okay. hoping that my thought came back. <laughs> so I'm curious, started. though, like what if you were if your friend were to say like chat, like, OK, I heard your podcast. I want to know how I can love you well as a brother or a sister comes to you and says, like, how can I love you well as a single and uphold your dignity in the body of Christ? What would that look like for you? Man, this is one of those like answers that you're just like, it's kind of like we were talking about last night at dinner. It's like we have all these like critical things that we want to say about mm -hmm. <laughs> like the church and how they've dealt with singleness. But then whenever you step back, you're like, how would I have done that differently? Mm -hmm. Like the whole like purity culture and like during the time of like the whole like I kiss dating goodbye and like all these other books that came up and they would have purity conferences and whatnot. Um, I think one of the things that we really have to be careful with is to not stigmatize certain areas. So in singleness, um, there is often somewhat of a stigmatization that comes with that where it's like, 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 I guess a pressure from the outside. It's like, you have to be married to be fulfilled mm -hmm. type of thing, or just an expectation to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, but I talk about this too, with like, even like pornography, or even like same sex attraction, like like there's always like preconceived notions of like what that is for someone. And I think that if I was to give advice to someone on like how do you steward this well with me is like allow me to express my pain. Like mm. I'm not looking oftentimes I just want to get things off my chest. Like so it's like mm. if I'm in a season 
just a moment of loneliness. Like I'd, I'd rather tell you now than to allow it just to eat away at me. Because if you just allow it to bottle up, like it will create discontentment and bitterness and and maybe even like bitterness towards God of like, mm-hmm. God, why are you not blessing me with this? Like, why, why is this desire there? Like what, it, like what's the purpose of me even desiring this? And also I think this may have been the thought. I hope it is. Cause as I'm talking, it's kind of coming out. One of the most refreshing things about this sexual discipleship group in the unmarried is like, there's married people involved too. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, there was other singles who they were echoing things that echoing ideas that I'd been thinking for years. Mm -hmm. And so it was so refreshing to know, like I'm not alone Mm -hmm. in this. Um, And so I think to, for you out there listening, to have single friends to be cautious on your approach with them. Because for me, I'm going to be very vocal like if I'm with certain friends, I might be more vocal as in like, man, I really want to find a spouse and whatnot. But for you to just hear them out, to not just completely like dismiss them and tell them like, well, I just appreciate this moment in your life. Like I'm married and I have to deal with my wife or I have kids and I don't have any free time. Don't like be careful to not just like if I view a married couple and I see they're like, I really need to be cautious myself to not be critical in the way I would do things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. whether it's parenting or they do, they do life as a marriage. So to just be slow to speak as we all should be and to hear each other out. And then the second thing is to, to really make sure that, um, that ask the right questions. And I think that's part of being vulnerable is you have to be vulnerable with another person for them to know, like, for me, I wear my emotions on my shoulders. So like if I'm sad, you can tell, but others, they may not. And if you're one of those who just kind of hold it in, I think it's important to just find people that you can trust and open up to them about the real life struggles and not only open up, be prayerful in that and pray with each other in that so that there's healing. Yeah. And I think that goes back to, we all need intimate connection. Right. So you're not going to be confessing, asking those kinds of questions unless you have deep, intimate friendships. And I would say, like, with people older than you, with people younger than you, and with people your age, like I was telling Chad at lunch today, my mentor, Ginger, has mentored me for two years. We've never met. We met through Authentic Intimacy online, but we've never met in person. But I cannot imagine where I would be without being able to call her in my darkest moments and be like, Ginger, I'm losing my mind. This is too hard. And for her to just listen and hold space and bring me back to Jesus, walk back with me, not like act like she's way ahead of me, but to walk back with me. And I think I would add for a practical tip is one of the loneliest things for me as a single is eating. And so if you set an extra place at your table, and invite somebody in like a family that i knew in laos um they i basically had an open invitation to eat dinner at their house anytime and let me tell you that was my absolute favorite place to eat in all of vientiane laos because we had laughter we shared our day it was a home-cooked meal i felt so i felt so loved and like i belonged and i think every person needs that so even if you're single, you can invite other people yeah, to your table. Yeah. Like you don't have to be married to do that either. But 
I just think recognizing sometimes it's the mundane moments where we feel that deepest ache. And so inviting someone in, it doesn't have to be perfect. Your house doesn't have to be vacuumed. Like we don't mind if we step on a few Cheerios to get to the table, but we just want to be together. Yeah. And I've always said this, like, I really appreciate when like a married couple invites me into their home. Like, and I recognize too, like, cause it is, it, I think sometimes I can get frustrated with married couples because I'm like, how come they're including me more and whatnot? But then I also like have to really take a step back and go, okay, they have kids, you know, you know, I know people in my church with several kids. So like, it's like having grace towards people in different stages of life to, re- to realize like, that's not always going to be the case. But in the meantime, like you're saying, like if you're single and you have the space for it to invite whoever you can to op- to use your home as a place of ministry as much as possible. And and also too like to appreciate the alone time. Like to where, like to realize like if we have dinner alone and whatnot to to use that time in a way that's time with the Lord to like recognize like I know it sounds silly but I've heard, I've heard a pastor say this and I don't like I, I, get, I get where he's coming from, but it was kind of like, if you go out to eat at a restaurant, like no one will see it alone. But he was like, but what if you change your perspective and you're like, you're literally just using that time to talk to the Lord, like in at the yeah, table. Yeah, but that pastor was probably married. He was married, actually. He <laughs> so was married. one or two but, nights of d- dinner alone, yes. I will but... <laughs> say, it has changed my perspective, kind yeah. of. Like, because if I go to a restaurant and I eat alone, now I'm kind of just more quiet and try to really process my thoughts. Mm. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's, I guess the perspective and the attitude behind it because, but it is very, very difficult to eat dinner alone. Every night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because you're really longing. So my encouragement is within the last few minutes that we have, like my encouragement would be that we have, um, like, as singles, we have an opportunity to include marrieds and singles and widows into our life. And I would also encourage married people to keep an eye out for singles in the church. Not for the sake of like, oh, poor them, they're not married. But just for the sake of like, they long for community just as much as you long for community. And because there's even stigmas within marrieds. You have married people and then you have married people with kids. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. It's like you have the married people, kids, and they're like, well, when are you going to have kids and all that? So uh, giving grace for all stages of life. Um, so I think those are just practical steps so we can act this out. Yeah. And I think remembering that if it's the family of God, family is messy and family isn't perfect. And we're not going to do it perfectly. Like you might really have good intentions and say something to hurt somebody like, let them know like our hearts for each other are good i think but just being honest open and acting like a family it doesn't have to be perfect but just pursuing with intentionality just like chad and i started the first episode with intentional friendship i think we need intentional family of god where it's like hey i know that i'm lonely i need this i'm gonna ask for it or somebody else being like hey so-and-so might might be feeling lonely like let me pursue them the way that christ pursues us and i think that really reflects his character and his nature as we he said they will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another yeah and sometimes people are waiting on you to be the vulnerable one like just recently i 
two guys from a church that I basically had to reach out to. And I just told them like, I need to be fully known. And I've only been back in Midland for a few months. So, but I've been putting it off and putting it off, but I was like, I need to be fully known. And by me opening up about that, it created space for two other men to go. Yeah. Like, um, like I need to be fully known too. And all I have right now is like my spouse, like, and so it creates a space, but that's why it's so important. And so I just encourage you, if you're not the most vulnerable one to, uh, it's easier said than done for me because I am vulnerable, but to take that leap of faith to really just put yourself out there, but with being guarded as well. And that's why it's so important to be prayerful in your search of finding someone else that you can trust. So we're about out of time. Um, uh, but Julia, do you have any last words of encouragement to provide for the audience? I would just say that it really helped me to know that I'm not alone in feeling these things. Like if you're single or married and you're like, wow, I have all these longings I don't know what to do with, or am I too broken for another person to love or for God to love? Or, you know, it's always going to be this way. Those kinds of things that bring us down. I would just say like, you're not alone in feeling that. And maybe like Chad said, if you confess that to someone else, you might find out. Oh, 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 oh,